Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Big Inside Out Adventures, and yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders. My friends call me Jay, except for my guest today, who just insists that she call me Jen. <laughs> today I have with me my good friend, Shayna Brazier. She is the mom of four energetic, beautiful kiddos. She is a lover of all things chocolate and sleeping in. She also happens to be a dear friend and the co-founder of Women in Pink. Shane's got a really great story. There's a lot of depth to this person and who she is. Uh, she's got a deep soul and we have lots of really wonderful and beautiful conversations. So today we're just going to give you a snippet of a part of her experience and how the co how she became the co-founder of Women in Pants. Then maybe sometime down the road, we'll, we'll get in a little bit deeper, but today we're going to hear the good stuff on what's going on right now. Shana, how the heck are you? Good. That was a great intro. Although I don't know if I've ever been called um, like a deep person. <laughs> like I don't know if anyone's ever said that about me. Well, there you go. Something to ponder deeply. Deeply. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I do love about about you, um, and you probably hear this one, is she's dang funny. Like she just, she's just funny. I love her sense of humor, and she always keeps me on my toes. <laughs> I really am. I mean, apart from being incredibly humble, I would say being funny is my biggest, you know, attribute. <laughs> I I would probably agree with you. So before we get into our our first question, which you yeah. and I talked about, you know what's coming is. Tell me about the funny. Where does the funny come from? Or does that relate to the first question? I would okay. say it's both. Then let's just go there. Tell us what okay. you were like as a kid and how funny plays into that. So I knew you were going to ask me this question because I listened to your podcast. Oh, thank you. And I think the answer is so skewed because <laughs> the way I think I was as a child it's probably different than the way other people maybe viewed me. So, right. and here's why, here's why I say that. So give us both. I, give us both. What? Okay. So I, I, I thought I am, a, I was a really good kid, like really good, very obedient, funny, smart, happy, just happy kid. Yeah. And I, and I genuinely can look back on my childhood and just see happiness. Like I know I was happy, but the funny part is when I was dating Drew, we came back to Idaho at one point. Here's her husband, and, by the way. Yeah, sorry, my hubby. And we came back to Idaho, and we found some old, um, like, family homemade videos. <laughs> and my dad used to interview us every year on our birthday and ask us questions. And video it? Yeah, and video <laughs> it. It was such a great idea. I That's really awesome. should be doing this with my children. I know. So we have, like, these, like, progressive years of us growing up answering these questions on our birthday. And Every single time I was like rolling my eyes and like sighing and like annoyed and just kind of being a brat. And I look at those videos and I think I was never like that. Like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like I think my view of myself, I I think very highly of myself and perhaps too highly because when I look back at those videos, I was probably pretty typical. Okay, but let's let's talk about the listener. Put yourself back you know, some of you maybe farther than other into a place of being a kid. And she could tell us like, what were some of the questions your dad asked? Because I'm going to venture to say that lots of us probably would have rolled our eyes at having our parents ask us these dumb questions on our birthdays. 
Right. Well, and I think where I rolled my eyes every time is he would always say, what are you now, 16? And I'd be like, nine. And so I'd be like, dad, I'm not 16. And then the next year he'd be like, what are you now, 21? And I'd be like, dad, I'm 10. Or I mean, and yeah, there were just questions like, who's your best friend? Who's the president of the United States? Uh, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite thing to do? Just, you know, right. just fun questions to listen back on. But but genuinely, I, I was a pretty good kid. I mean, I even now, it is just instilled in like my being to obey authority. Right. Like I just, I just have that thing where I just want to obey. Like, okay, we're sitting at a crosswalk and the crosswalk sign is on the stop hand and there's no cars anywhere. I'm not crossing that road. I wait for the walkie man (laughs) sign to cross. Like, I don't know. It's just part of my, like, I don't know if it's because I grew up, you know, to be obedient or if it's just part of my nature, but I'm, I'm a pretty obedient person. And frankly, the rules of society have always worked in my favor. So it's been easy to be obedient. It's not like, you know, went against anything in my nature kind of thing. So, but humor was always a part of my childhood, a part of my whole life. A big part of it is my dad. I was going to say, I know your parents. Yeah. Your dad's funny. Your mom, your dad, did you get that from him? Definitely. I definitely think I did. He's a kidder. Like everyone knows that about my dad, that he likes to do practical jokes on people and he just likes to liven the mood. And I think it's also a coping skill. I don't deal with super deep emotional whatever very well. And so the second it starts to go even just a little bit deep emotional, I'm like, pop out a joke, pop out a joke. It's time to laugh. Like, I really do think it's a coping skill for just emotional, you know, especially if something is hurtful or um, I know it's going to make me cry or just feel really bad. That's my my immediate go-to is be funny, bring out a joke, be funny. That makes sense. And I would imagine there are a lot of people listening to us today um, or the listener that's listening to us today that can identify with that. Sometimes it's so much easier to do that than to actually feel the blasted emotion. Before you and I started, we were, I, I showed Shana, I had a small conversation with her about something that was pretty personal and deep and a little bit painful. And um, laughter definitely was a part of that conversation as a way to cope through that. So that's, again, it's one of those things I love about you. I'm, I'm aware of, and she hates it when I know that. And I like keep digging and keep digging. <laughs> She's shaking her head with, a, with this crazy face like, oh, I hate that about Jen. I, well, no, not just about you. I just hate that in general. Like I, I think I'm just not like, I'm not a, a touchy feely person, which is funny because I, I do consider myself like a caring, warm person. Absolutely. I just am not, I don't know. I just don't sit in my feelings. I don't know. I, and, and again, I don't know if that is, oh, what are the words? Um, now I can't think of the words. Uh, you know whether or not you're born with it or or taught it. What are those words? Uh, intrinsic or nature, nurture or nature. Nurture maybe? versus nature. How come I could not come up with those? Because you're nurture versus nature. I'm sure it's a combination of both. Yeah. But I just it's just not, uh, which is hilarious because I am married to a psychologist, <laughs> and he's very in tune with his feelings and very much wants to have deep personal connections. And it's all about connection for him. And it's all about fun for me. So that does, you know, we have, have to uh, work with each other on that. 
Right. So how does that work? Um, we just get in fights. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love it. no, I mean, I just have to, I have to get uncomfortable and, you know, sit in feelings and, and go deeper with him when he needs it. And then he also has to get uncomfortable and uh, go to big parties and loud events that maybe he would not want to go to. I mean, it's, it's a give and take like any relationship. We have to be uncomfortable for a minute because we know that's what the other person needs. Well, and I, I really appreciate that about uh, what I've observed of your relationship, both both you as individuals and then you as a couple, is that you do have this back and forth, you, you do know, and you are willing to do the give and take so that you can still be supportive of the other person in their element, yet still, you know, willing to sit in that discomfort for yourself, but then find those places where you do, it's one of the things I love about your relationship. So I appreciate you sharing that. Aw, keep telling me all the things you love about me oh, and my relationship. Well, I could talk <laughs> a whole lot, but this is about you sharing. So, <laughs> okay, so let's take a little bit farther and play on the sitting in tough emotions. And again, this is where I, you know, I feel like Shana is deep and she's experienced a lot of, of challenging things that a lot of people are, are familiar with. Um, today, we're going to choose one of those that, ladies, it's it's more specifically geared to you. However, men may also feel some of these things. And that's the, the emotions that come with being out of work for a long time. Whether you, ladies, if, if, if you've been um, a stay-at-home mom or you've had a hiatus, you know, for illness or whatever, and then you're trying to find a job. And men, again, this applies to you as well, although the, the group is, is specifically got women in the title. So Shana, talk to us a little bit about your experience of sitting in the emotion of this place. We, we mentioned you're the mom of four beautiful, energetic kids, and they keep you running. I love them, love them, love them. And I've watched and been tired, but you live with it all day, every day. Tell us the emotions of like wanting to find these other parts of you by way of work or career. You know, how does that play out for you? I think that you worded that correctly, is that it's trying to find other parts of myself. So I think one of the obstacles for women in my position, right, who have been stay-at-home moms. Can we ask how old you are? What? I know. <laughs> Never ask a lady her age. I am 35. Okay. So, so, so you're young, and there's a lot of, there could be a lot of people. I love that you just called that young, because I call myself middle-aged. <laughs> feel like I'm in the middle, mostly because we have a lot of heart attack history in our family. Mm. So there's a good possibility I am at the middle of my life. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not young and I'm not old. I'm in that like weird zone, I guess I would call it, but yeah, yeah I'm 35. I call it the time of your life. The, yes. <laughs> yes. It is a time now. in my life for sure. <laughs> Oh. No, and I have. So maybe I should give the background first. So I have been a stay-at-home mom, um, basically since our oldest daughter was born. Okay, tell so me. It's been. Like, did you dream about being when you were young? Did you think that that's what you wanted to do? Yes. Okay. And no. Okay. Um, Let's go. Yes, there. yes. I knew it was something that I was supposed to do, and I also knew it was something that I wanted to do. Like do you, I very much knew. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I knew I was supposed to be a stay-at-home mom. 
just per the culture that I grew up in. Okay. Um, but there was always a part of me that felt like I had something to give the world beyond that. Okay. Like I, like even when you fill out those little like questionnaires, you know, as a little kid, that's like, what do you want to be when you grow up or whatever? Um, mine usually had a career on there and motherhood. Like it was like, I I knew I wanted to be both as I grew up and really embraced the culture that I was raised in. I, I quickly abandoned the career part, um, for the motherhood part. I did get my education. I knew getting my education was important, but I also think I chose my, uh, field, my degree based on the knowledge that I would be a stay-at-home mom and not as a way of going into a career. So my degree is in family life, Okay. which, well, which I always sense? tell people, I have a degree in being a mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I basically have a degree in it. <laughs> and oh. there are things you can do like um, casework and stuff. But honestly, if you want to do anything career-wise that would support yourself at all, you would have to go into a master's degree in some kind of... Uh, mental health field or some, or social work field with a bachelor's degree like that. Right. So I, I, I knew I wanted to get my degree, but in no way during getting my degree, did I think I'm getting this degree because I want to work in the field of social work or the field of whatever. Honestly, it was the easiest route to a degree. And so I was like, okay, boom, done. Check that off the list. All done. Hang it on the wall as an example for my children. But it was never like part of and then one day I will go into a career in this or whatever. Gotcha. And that's not to say I didn't work. I had a ton of jobs <laughs> from the time I was 14 on. I was working to make money, but never working towards a career. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I would imagine that, that those who listen to this, there will be many who can, again, identify with the story that you're sharing and, and that background. It's, it's something that I, too very similar to, to my own personal story that way. And I, and the hard part is I don't regret it. I, I mean, no. there, maybe I should back up. <laughs> I don't regret, <laughs> maybe I do. I don't regret staying home with my children. I do regret not positioning myself better to enter the workforce when the time came around. Okay. Like, I think always my mindset was if for some reason my husband cannot provide for us, then I will figure out how to provide for us versus it doesn't matter whether or not my husband can provide for us. Is this something that I need in my life? How do I set myself up for it? And I think that's what I regret is, and I mean, what kind of 20 year old really has a vision of their, their self at 35? Like, I don't know any of them. I I don't beat myself up over it. I'm just saying hindsight, I, I would have done things differently with my education and with, um, work, but I think I might've made the same decision to stay home and be a stay at home mom just because of the relationships that I have with my children now. Right. Well, and going back to that, when we're 20, it's really hard to see ourselves at 35. And in my opinion, I do believe the cultures that we grow up in, and there's so many different cultures that those play a role in how we view that and what steps or measures we take to you use the, the phrase position ourselves to go into the workforce when it's time. And again, I like you, I didn't, I don't know if I wanted to work. I worked a little bit here and there early, early mornings, but I, 
I was grateful to be home with my kiddos. And when I stepped into the workforce, it was like, oh, eye opener. It's like deep end. It's like swimming in the deep end for the first time. It's very eye open. It's very different. It's true. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So when it came time for you to, or or maybe is it time for you to get into the workforce? I I already know a little bit of these answers because I know you. Um, I know that you have explored different options of things that you want to do now that you're what you call in middle age. (laughs) But now that your kids are growing a little bit and and you're wanting, again, to develop these other pieces of you, I know that you've looked at some different things. So tell us what that's like. And I think it is part of self-satisfaction. Like, I am at a point now where my three older kids are in school full-time, you know, during the day. Um, My youngest child is in preschool a couple days a week, but next year it'll be four days a week, and then the year after that he'll be in, you know, school full-time with everybody else. And And I ask myself, like, am I satisfied as a person versus as a mother? So am I satisfied as a mother? Yes, I'm satisfied as a mother. As a person, as an individual entity, am I satisfied? And the answer was no. And this was uh, a year ago, a year, a half, year and a half ago. And so then at that point, I sat down with my husband and was like, listen, I need to have an identity separate from the family. And that was a really hard conversation to have That's a big because uh, it put him on the defensive right away. Cause obviously in his mind, the next thing to flow from that is I want, I want to be separate from the family. Right. right? And there's, and that, that's a scary position to be in of thinking that your wife needs separation <laughs> and wants to pull herself away from the family unit. Right. But that, that's not what it was. It's just that I needed an identity that was separate from mother to blank or wife of Drew. Like I just needed something that was just purely Shana. This is Shana. She does this, not she is the support to blank person. Okay. So I'm going to ask a question and I don't really want to delve into this topic, but I do believe that it's one that's important to at least give a little bit of attention to it when you're talking about identities and, and knowing who we are outside of all of these other things. For myself, it was a huge eye-opener for me when I realized how much I identified as the religion that I practiced. Is that something that you, because I feel like that's an important thing for people to find out that that they are an individual who practices inside of, that they're not actually that thing. Is uh, Is that one of the pieces that worked for you as well? I think it probably was. I don't know if I've really, um, sat and thought about that, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it played into part of who I think I am and who I was and whatever. And, and it, who, who am I? That question is such a weird question for me anyways, because yeah. I'm, I'm lots of things. I'm lots of people. I'm lots of identities. I'm lots of, and they're ever shifting right. from, from the day I was born, they were ever shifting. Like, I don't feel like there is like this, you know, how people are on quest to find themselves. I don't feel like there is a, a a destination where you find yourself, in my opinion, right? For my life. It's I just journey. feel like there it's, it's, it's just the ever journey. changing, huh? It's it's the old quote, it's the journey, not the destination. Right. But I just feel like it's just ever changing ebb and flow of discovering parts of yourself or furthering um characteristics or qualities of yourself. Like I don't know, I don't feel like I was ever lost. 
Do you know what I mean? Like this, yeah. is, this was not a journey of, I need to discover who I am. I need to find myself. Cause I didn't, I'm not lost. I'm, I'm right here. Like that vernacular, that speech doesn't work with me. Gotcha. And that could go back to, you know, we could have a whole topic about why that doesn't work for me and why that doesn't settle right with me. Right, right. But I don't, I never felt lost. It was just simply, okay, now I'm here and I'm not happy or satisfied with the list of roles that I have. I want a different one. Right. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. I, I know. I actually appreciate you, you speaking a little bit to that because I run into quite a few people, especially in the area that I live in that um, the, the religion piece, and again, I'm not, I'm not bashing religion, not even a little bit, but it does seem to play a role in when, when what you and I are talking about, when they've chosen to, a lot of times because of their belief systems and wanting to be strong and practicing their religions, they don't always take the, the other pieces and develop them. Like someday your kids are going to be gone and you might want to work or it might become a necessity and, and they don't have those tools. And so that's, I just think that's an important piece to to interject, as, especially when we're talking about learning how to position yourself, how to be good examples for your kiddos, because they're going to be where you're at sooner or later. And so I appreciate you addressing that. And I think it's important to point out that it's not just when there's a monetary necessity or right. your you. kids are all grown and you're bored. Now, what do you do with your time? Right. Thank like you. for me, it literally was, I need this regardless of the other two, Right. Financially, we didn't need me to go out and pursue a career, which is incredibly, um, I'm incredibly grateful for that, right? Because that is not the case for a lot of families nowadays. Most families nowadays need two working parents to sustain a comfortable living. And so I, I totally am grateful for that. It was not a financial decision. And frankly, I still have a little kid at home. And I have kids in elementary school. It's not necessarily a decision of, oh, I'm so bored. What should I do with my time? Because I could go skiing all day and not be bored. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've got stuff I could do to not be bored. It really was a growth for myself. And I think part of it was watching my husband grow in his career, right? And taking on the identities that come with that. And being able to walk into a room and own his identity in that career and be able to go up to people and have conversations with people and just have this element of his life that is separate from our family. It is totally separate from our family. Right. And I wanted that. I wanted to be able to go into some kind of room or meeting or virtual meeting or whatever it is and own an identity that is career oriented. I love it. The thought that came to my head is in essence, it's kind of like developing the the talents or the abilities that we have that maybe are have laid dormant that are calling our names and actually using them so that they're one being fulfilled inside us we have that sense of fulfillment but also using those things to um, i like to use the word bless some people don't really like the word bless but i'm going to say bless to bless the lives of other people to share what you have in a way that they may need and i love that you brought that out yeah thank you i don't have a problem with the word bless uh, ooh, I'm, I'm glad you don't. <laughs> you can use it. Okay, that, let's just go into the, you've now moved to a new area, you, you've made some new friends, and you've had some different um, experiences that you had, different from what you had when you lived closer to me. And you've met people in a broader, um, a broader spectrum who come from all different kinds of cultures and backgrounds and you name it. 
and I, I got to spend a little time with you and meet a few of those people. It was so refreshing. I loved it. But in so doing, you've now come up with this concept along with the, I want to develop these other sides of me. So let's just go right into that. Tell us what it is, how it came about, how people can get involved. Take it away. Okay. So I think to back the train up just a little bit. Okay. Hold on. It was when I was living in Idaho that I decided I did want a career. I needed to figure this out. And I was trying on different careers, right? I'm taking a class, job shadowing people, just trying to figure out what works because. Can we tell the people uh, what you were, what you were trying, what you tried on? Yeah. I initially thought pharmacy Uh and there's a, uh, to be a pharmacist. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I really do like science. I enjoy science and I felt like it was a prestigious enough career that you have a lot of um, say in your income and your schedule, right? So the income's pretty nice and the schedule can be part-time and still have a nice income or it can be full-time or it can be remote. They do a lot of remote positions. Like it just felt like flexible because that was a big thing for me is going from stay-at-home mom to trying to jump into a career is a really uh, big shock to the schedule. It's yeah. a shock to the system and a shock to the schedule. And so I wanted something that I knew I could still be flexible enough to almost like wean myself off of stay at home mom into career mom. Right. And so I needed something like that. Um, I did some job shadowing, did not love it. Okay. So I just thought, you know what, if I'm going to go in something, it's got to be something that I don't, that I don't regret going into. And so I abandoned that idea. In fact, I have a folder on my computer that is called failures and it's just everything related to everything I tried that did not work. And I, it's just all in this failures folder and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having a failures folder. My mind is like freaking out because you're using the word failure. I'm like, they're experiments. They're experiments. <laughs> See, I'm just not touchy feely. It's a failure. That's fine. I failed. <laughs> But you also tried on, and I, I only bring this out because it's what my degree is in, is what? Uh, speech pathology. Ta-da! And I actually thought that would be a good one because you could work for a school. And because I'm, because I do have to take into consideration my children, right? Absolutely. I'm not just going to like be like ob- oblivious to the fact that we have four kids that need to be taken care of. And that I still love and want to be around. And so speech language pathology was an idea there for a while because I could get a degree online. So I didn't have to like move somewhere where there's a, a college for it. Um, and you can get a job in the school district. So you're basically working, you know, the same time that your kids are in school. So you have the summers off to uh, be with them and not have to worry about like daycare, childcare kind of stuff. But it just didn't, the more I read about it and the more I researched it, it just didn't call me in that direction either. I have been a stay at home mom for a while. And so I know this sounds terrible, but the thought of spending all day long with children again, just was not calling my name. So, and then I was like, well, if I'm, if I'm going to be working in a hospital or some other place for speech language pathology, I'm going to run into the same problem with summers and school schedules and stuff. So I knew I need, I wanted something flexible just for me. I wanted something flexible. Well, I would Um, guess there's quite a few people again, who listen, who would feel, especially women, moms right who would feel similar things so it's it's not bad it just is what it is right and one thing I did have to take into consideration was if I needed Drew to cut back on work so that I could go to work uh we got to be careful with that because his income is sustaining our family and so if we're cutting him back I've got to be making up for that and he he has a doctor degree he makes a lot more money than I do so we just had things needed to be flexible there because I couldn't just be like okay Drew you're stay-at-home dad now. 
because there's no way I would make right out the gate what he makes a year. And so we knew that that also wasn't an option for us. Gotcha. Um, and, and frankly, childcare is expensive. That's a huge thing to consider when you have been a stay at home mom and trying to go into a career is, am I going to be working full time just to pay for the childcare? I am so happy that you just brought that up because I think that's something that really kind of gets lost when people are just, and again, this is my own opinion. It gets lost when people are in a um, scarcity place mindset and and they're not making the bills and they want to help out or they they have to help out but they don't realize what they're actually adding and they're probably bringing home you know a hundred bucks it's that's a tough thing so i appreciate you bringing that point out yeah and it is it's a tough thing to have to work through and figure out and so um i i mean in in this failures folder i'll just be totally uh courageously exposed here love it Um, I delved into writing screenplays and writing like TV pilots, took like some online courses in that because I do like writing. And so did a couple of those, got, um, sent them out, got some feedback back, fixed them up, sent them out again, and just got like obliterated by the, the, uh, screen writing world. It's a very hard world to get into and. And they're very honest in their opinion on your work. So um, I still enjoyed it, but I could I could see that it was going to take a lot of years of training and really honing in skills to even have a shot. And so it, that quickly well, went into the failures folder. What I love about this, though, is that, one, you're still standing and that you're willing to talk about and say, hey. I tried this thing and this is what it was like. And this is what I learned about myself. Although I haven't asked that question yet. Like, what did you learn about yourself? <laughs> it's coming. But I'll, I'll answer that right now. Let's do it. I learned that I don't know what my passion is. And, and let me tell you that I'm okay with that. Yes. Like, um, I took probably uh, 50 online, like, what is your passion? Um, little tests or surveys, right? Where you answer all the little questions and they spit out your like best three careers that you should go into or best five careers or fields or whatever. And they were always all different. And I always felt like the questions were so misleading because they'd be like, do you want to make $30,000 a year or $400,000 a year? I'm like, okay, who is putting $30,000? Who goes, you know what? I'd really like to struggle for the rest of my life. Like I, so of course I'm putting, I want the $400,000 a year. So it's like, you should be the CEO of a financial institution. And I'm like, that is so unrealistic. I'm not going to be the CEO of a financial institution. Like who comes up with this stuff? I don't know. And, and everyone, you know, there's lots of, um, find your passion, find your why do your, which is ironic because I know like Drew kind of delves into that. But I decided that 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 question wasn't working for me, right? I I had to abandon that question altogether. I I don't care. A career is not my passion. My passion is what I do on my vacation and on my off time, right? Um, And so I I didn't need my career to be my passion. So I abandoned that question altogether. And it was what works for me and makes me feel satisfied. Like those questions spoke more to me and we're, we're able to help me more than the, what's your passion and what do you have to give the world and all, all those other questions. Like I, I needed a more concrete question. 
what works for your schedule and what, what will make you feel satisfied, like career satisfied kind of thing. And so after a couple more like little delving into different avenues and adventures, I settled on copywriting. And that's when I kind of started slash took over um, adventure writers, which is copywriting for the adventure travel industry. And it is an ebb and flow business, right? It is definitely something I can do on my own time from home, um, which has its pros and cons because, because I can do it on my own time from home. It gets, um, it doesn't take priority in the schedule. And that's really hard. Like I have to make, I have to block off times where I'm like, I absolutely have to work on this. And because it is a freelance position and I just take work in as it comes, uh, sometimes there's work and sometimes there's not, it is not a steady income. And it's, I mean, there's pluses and minuses to that. Well, and I think you and I had, a, excuse me, a conversation about, about adventure writers. Cause I think it's a really cool concept. And what she didn't tell you is she actually podcasts people for part of this adventure writers and you can go and check those out. They're really good. Um, is that it's the marketing part. It's the selling part. It's something that you're just not hugely interested in. And I think that's important for people to understand is when they're on these entrepreneurial or want to work at home businesses, it's uh, it's a whole hell of a lot more work than you anticipate it's going to be. And not in the work that you think it would be. It's not writing work. Like you said, it's sales. Your job is 90% sales, 10% doing what you're actually wanting to do. (laughs) And I have... I will fully admit I am a terrible salesperson. Terrible. Like if someone, like if I am talking to someone, I'm like, okay, do you, you know, would you like to have our services? And they're like, you know, I don't know. Even if they say, I don't know. My initial reaction is, well, maybe you should go home and think about it. Really talk to your spouse. Make sure it's something that works for you. Like don't, no pressure because I hate feeling pressured myself. Right. And so, which makes for a terrible salesperson. And I, you know, before I get a billion emails on how to be a better salesperson, I have read tons of books and, and, and done online webinars and stuff. And I honestly just don't think it's my personality. I just, I, I can't stomach the thought of trying to give in something, somebody that they need what I have when I know you don't need it. Right. It would be nice. It would help your company and it would relieve stress, but you don't need it. Right. And that's, I think for a couple of things here, please do not send Shana a lot of emails with ideas of how to, (laughs) don't send me any emails. I'm so busy. (laughs) How how to like become a better salesman, because that is one of the things I actually, here we go. Things I love about Shana Brazier is she is well-read. Like she is not afraid to get in and, and find some information. And it's one of the things me personally, I really respect from her. And that because I learn from her as well, I can call her and say, uh, Shana, what about this? And she knows or she'll help find the answer. And so I get to learn and grow at her hand as well. So she's well read and she's learned that this just isn't her thing. And so we're giving you permission to say, maybe this just isn't your thing. But it's also led her in some, it's given her steps to lead her into these other directions, which were the train is coming right back into the station. And now we can- Are we there yet? Sorry, I totally derailed. But yes, no, we are there. We can talk about women in pants. It was a great, I think we needed to have that information. So I appreciate you backing it right up. Well, and I think you're correct that because uh, the ebb and flow of adventure writers is so um, mysterious, 
<laughs> it does allow me time to work on this venture that I'm working right now, which is women in pants. And how this was born is I texted my really good friend, Sarah, who lives here. And I just was like, Sarah, do you want to go into business together? Because I just was trying to think of other ways to satisfy um, the itch, the career itch. And um, she texted back a hilarious meme because she knows me and she knows that memes speak to my heart. (laughs) 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 And the meme just said, it's about damn time. And I was like, okay. I said, well, when can you come over? And she's like, I'm in my car. So like she was there within like 15 minutes and we just wrote down like 25 ideas of things we felt like we were competent enough to do and that we were interested in. And one of the ideas that came to us was helping women in our same position, right? Helping women who have had some kind of work history gap, whether that be because they were a stay at home mom or because they were in prison or because they had an illness or, you know, a a myriad of other reasons. They have a gap in their work history, helping them get into careers that are long term and financially stable. So here's the thing. I feel like anyone who tries really hard can come off the street and find a minimum wage job. But that's not our goal. Like our goal is to help women really fulfill their uh, career desires versus just getting in a job off the street. And so that's when we were like, let's start this organization. And we went through lots of different names that it could be and settled on women in pants. And it really is a riff off of Rosie the Riveter that when it was necessary during the time of war for women to go into work, they, they put on their, the man pants, they put on their jumpsuits and went to work. And, um, you know, it's also a riff on that saying, you know, who wears the pants in the family kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just giving women power. It's empowering women to be able to go out into the career force. And I think that's the number one stumbling block that we're hearing from women in our organization is the fear the fear of going into something that they either have been out of for so long or just never got into. It is really scary to shift your mind to believe that this is a place where one, you deserve a position and two, you're capable of being in a position like that. And so that's really where our foundation came from. And we are in this super infancy of this foundation or this organization, Women in Pants. So it is very, 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 young. <laughs> we are still figuring everything out. We are still meeting with different people. We have just a thousand meetings going on right now, but everyone has been so supportive and so many different organizations and foundations are willing to meet with us and just even share little tidbits. Um, our goal really is though, to find women and help them. And one of the ways we're going to help them is online courses. And they're going to go through, through things like uh, overcoming the fear and stepping up to the plate. Um, we're going to go over things like logistics, like resume building and, um, interview skills and networking and how do you do LinkedIn and why you want to do LinkedIn and things like, uh, juggling family and career. Like what are some helpful tools out there to be able to do that? What is, what is okay to ask your employer? What is, um, what's something you might have to push to get from your employer to be able to maintain some kind of balance between your career and your family if, if you choose to do that kind of thing. But those are some of the courses. And then another big part was we wanted to give women the opportunity to see themselves in that role. And so the best way we figured to do that was through photo shoots. So either getting a, either getting like a profile picture taken or um, some kind of personal branding photo shoot. And that will be done uh, by volunteer photographers 
kind of like uh, things like uh, Capes and Crowns does for kids with cancer. They get volunteer photographers all over the nation to take photos of these kids. It's going to be along the same lines as that. Okay, cool. I love that. Am I information dumping you? Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> and I'm just like, like my mind is spinning because I, I know there are so many women, and again, some men out there. Oh, yeah. This is something they actually need. Like, this is a passion. It's something you know that you can really give to them, and it's going to make a huge difference versus, like you say, let me sell you some copywriting, which is a need, just in a, a very different way. And I love that you're teaching, you said, empowering women to enter and succeed. I put the word succeed. Succeed in the workforce because they are deserving and capable. And then how you're going to like take the courses, just like you say, the basic skills, the resume building, how to interview, learning how to use social media, balancing acts. And, and then I love the piece of taking the photos because there is something very powerful about seeing. It's one thing to imagine and some people struggle with that, but when you can actually see yourself as that thing, bam, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. I love it. Yes. I love it too. And I think it is a need. And that was big. That was a big part of our decision to make it a nonprofit versus a for-profit. And we went back and forth for a while on this trying to decide because we could do it as a for-profit and just sell the courses. But when we saw the demographic of people that we're working with, it's just not like, there's so many courses out there that you can buy that it's overwhelming to know where to put your $200 that you've set aside to be able to find a career, it is so overwhelming to decide where do you even put that $200. And so we decided, you know what, this is something that they need for free. And it's, it's going to be um, comprehensive, but it's, it's not going to be the end all of your career search. Does that make sense? Right. Like, I feel like it's going to be the foundation to help women gain, what, like you said, gain the confidence and then know what direction they want to go to. Because yeah. we also have a course in there for entrepreneurship because it is possible. It's, it's a hard possibility, but it is possible to start your own business from scratch. Absolutely. Well, I'm, and more or less you're doing that. You, you know, you've seen it, you've lived it or are living it. Um, and I love the idea of the nonprofit and the piece where you talked about, you know, where do you put your money? I have been in that situation coming, coming from a divorce and, uh, a few years ago and having $800 to my name. You know, I, I was on a place where it, I was required to have assistance to even be able to live in a place. Uh, I was able to get a job, have a, have a decent wage, but that job wasn't the thing that was fulfilling for me. And I've been seeking more and therefore I jumped into the entrepreneurial field. But again, I've spent so much money trying to get the learning and I put it in this place and it doesn't fulfill or it doesn't uh, fulfill the promises that they say they're going to do. And, and so then there, that money's now gone and you go to this other thing and being in that place of like, where do I even go and who do I trust? So I think it's quite a gift that you're, you're willing to set this up in a nonprofit fashion. And wow, the, the advancement just in confidence and, and skills that people will get to then, again, take them to those next levels is amazing. It's such a beautiful thing. And I think that that hits right on the head is we want a place for people to land when they find themselves in a position where they're like, okay, I'm ready. Um, and then lift them up to a position where they're capable of taking the reins 
and, and doing what they need to do to get into the career. And I think you also, I like what you said about um, fulfilling because I want to demystify that word a little bit. Sometimes we think of fulfilling as it's got to be something that, you know, you feel like you were placed on this earth to do kind of thing. And that doesn't always speak to everybody. Sometimes fulfilling could just mean I make a good income. I may not love what I'm doing, but I make a good income and that is fulfilling to me. Or it could be, um, I don't make a great income, but I love my work. That could be fulfilling to you. You know, that, that word can mean a lot of things for a lot of different people. Yeah. Well, I think I actually appreciate you bringing that out. Um, I know part of of how I was using the word too, is making sure that uh, if we're offering services to people that we fulfill the commitment to those who are giving us the dollars. I'd say I've spent a lot of money to people who haven't held up their end of the bargain. Right. And that's what we aim to do. And can I just put a, a, a thing out there, a shameless promotion right now. Do it. That if, you're one shameless of, promotions. <laughs> if you're one of the women that find themselves in this position, or you think you might in the next couple of years or whatever, go to our website, which is womeninpants.com. And there, there's like a little section where you can write your name, just your first name. You don't have to put your last name and your story, because the more stories we're hearing from people, the more funding we are going to get. When we can take stories into um, corporations and attach them to the grants that we're applying for and stuff, that speaks so much louder to people than just plain old statistics. So go in there, fill it out, help us get the funding to be able to help you kind of thing. And then if you don't find yourself in that position, but you love what we're doing, also on our website is a part to become um, a volunteer or a mentor or just to support women in pants, to raise your voice and saying, I support this organization. It, even if you're saying it would have been helpful for me back when I was in that situation, go there, fill that out. There are volunteer things that we are going to need people to do as far as um, resume reviews, going over resumes and just giving opinion on, you know, the wording and how you feel like it flows and stuff. And mock interviews is another big one. And if you are a photographer across the country that's listening to this and thinks, man, I would really love to be involved in that, reach out to us. You can um, find our email on our website, but you can also email us at office at womeninpants.com. So right now, just email office at womeninpants.com and just let us know how you want to be involved. We would love your involvement. That is so cool. So I love that even if you're not in the position of having a gap in your work history, there is a way for you to be involved and, and to use your professional skills as a service to help other people get back on their feet, give not a hand out, but give them a hand up. And help them get back that confidence to stand in their full power. So beautiful. So again, the website is womeninpants.com. And you can also reach out at office at womeninpants.com. Okay, awesome. And we'll make sure that we get those in the notes. Say what? Say it. Sarah, my co-founder, and I laugh all the time about the fact that we're never going to be able to wear dresses ever again <laughs> because we have so branded ourselves. We're we're dedicated to pants for the rest of our lives. I, personally, I wouldn't be really offended by that. <laughs> I'm one of those I'm one of those people that, as a young kid, like I would have to wear a dress to school on Wednesdays because there was a like a church activity and. I always like had shorts or something under it because I hated the dresses. 
We're bringing back the pantsuit. We're bringing back the pants. I love it. Oh my gosh, Shana, this has been so much fun. And I am so excited to see how women in pants progresses and the, the both like all the different kinds of people that are going to be involved in this, whether they're partaking of all of the learning skills or they're sharing their own skills by way of uh, being a volunteer to give, do photos, do mock interviews, checking out resumes, however that's going to work. I'm so excited because this, this is a need. And I have a feeling it's going to take off like wildfire. Aw, thanks, Jen. I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of tell my story and to get praised for an hour. Right? That, that's always, that always feels good. Like, who doesn't <laughs> love that? <laughs> awesome. Do you, have any, do you have any final words? Just do it. Ooh. Is that a copyright? Did, did, Nike, did Nike copyright that? <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they probably <made> did. <laughs> I probably need to give them credit, but... Uh, there's so many times in life where we have a good idea or have um, inklings to do something and uh, something good, right? Don't just do bad things. But if you have an inkling to do something good and you're scared, just do it. We have this one life to take advantage of this earth and do it. Like, just do it. Uh, and go to our website and uh, share your stories with us. Those would be yeah. my two pieces of advice. I love it. Well, and the just do it part, you know, people ask me why I do what I do. And I do a lot of things because I am multi-passionate and it's hard for me to just stick to one thing. And, and the honest answer I can give people is I do it because I can. And then I do it because I care. And a lot of times, you know, I, I probably like a lot of people listening, we're so afraid of fear and failure and, and all of these things. And the reality is, I'm still standing. Yeah, I've crashed and burned a few times, but I've also gained a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, a lot of confidence, a lot of new friends, developed skills and talents, abilities along the way. And for me, I only see it as failure if I stop. And so I love that you, again, just gave our listeners permission to just do it. We're here for you. Reach out. If you want support, get a hold of us. And we are more than happy to help you along your way so with that oh my gosh Shana thank you again such such a pleasure as always and uh, I would actually like to say let's revisit this a little bit down the road and see where we're yeah. at and how our listeners can help or participate once things are moving a little bit more completely and uh, talk about some of the successes and maybe some of the fall downs that have taken place in the process Would that be okay that'd be great yeah that'd be great sweet all right, listeners, thank you again for joining us. If you've liked any part of today's episode and learning about women in pants, I invite you with all my heart today to share this with two people. Imagine what would happen and how quickly this can move when we share this message with two people, those people share it with two people. It spreads like wildfire. We get it into the hands of those who need it. I also would invite you that if you really like this to donate, share your dollars with us. Help us continue to bring you good people and amazing content so that we can continue to help you live courageously exposed. We're going to end it like we always do. And you got to believe in yourself or no one else can.